0: don't wait visit sonobello.com slash save sonobello.com slash save sonobello.com slash save
4: family it looks a little different for everyone for some it's mom and dad for others roommates who feel like family
0: welcome to know the name know the genius in you where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life this is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents shown in their name to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyatt, creator of Nameology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person, and in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in them and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of the show, you'll hear views on how you can recognize your own innate genius. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that all benefit? Our expert tonight is Mark Juarez, who has developed his genius in the area of developing companies where the employees are happy to be there and the companies do incredibly well. Published writer, designer, teacher, certified masseuse, An avid cyclist, Mark established the Happy Company in 1992 with his personal savings of $22,000. Within three years, the company was earning $20 million and garnering the number five slot on the top 10 companies list for Northern California. It rose to the number two position on the top 10 fastest growing companies list in the Bay Area in 1996. Happy Massager, his flagship product, was the world's best-selling massage tool. Through the Happy Company, Warris has invented and managed the development cycle of more than 100 products, trademarks, and copyrights. The inspiration behind his products was to introduce what he calls the caring touch to the world, and that touch extended him into the nonprofit sector. Well known for his ability to successfully innovate products with character, Warris is living proof of two concepts, First, that it's possible to achieve the ultimate balance between profitability, business management, and social responsibility. The second, that there is no such thing as an impossible dream. War has overcame dyslexia and a disadvantaged upbringing with a strong belief that work is love made visible. And integrity comes before profits. Ethics, which he incorporates into his company and everyday living. Through his travels, he's experienced firsthand the power of pursuing a dream that benefits others and the value of sincere gratitude. This became his greatest motivation to continually create and sustain a healthy and happy work environment in which everyone can work collaboratively together to succeed and thrive. War is a regular guest teacher at prestigious universities such as Stanford, USC, Loyola Marymount and San Francisco State University. He is also an internationally acclaimed public speaker to businesses and nonprofit associations worldwide. Juarez and his products have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, and many, many others. Okay? And the other media outlets, I mean, they're just numerous, like the Atlantic Journal and the San Francisco Chronicle. I mean, there's just so many. Juarez recently published Charlie's Thinking Cheese to inspire community projects, healthier living styles, and cross-generational dialogues. And we'll talk about his current products as we get into this. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Mark.
1: Thank you so much.
0: It's so nice to have you here. First thing we want to know is, how did you discover your ability to create happy companies?
1: I, I'm so sorry. Can you ask the question again? How, how yes. did I
0: discover your ability to create happy companies. I mean, most of us just go after a dream. And if it gets happy, we're lucky. But that's not one of our goals. But that was really one of your goals. So how did you go about doing that the very first time around?
1: Well, you know, I, when I was young, and um, I, I started my first company when I was 11 years old. And by 12, I, I had a staff. And I was wondering, what could I do to, 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 with the staff? W, 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 the first job I did was was fixing up a, a house for, for my friend's grandmother. And I wanted to – she had no money, and I really wanted to, to try to do it. You know, As I started doing it, all my friends joined me. And I realized when I created a really happy atmosphere, it, it made a big difference. As I got a little bit older, I started – um, I would worked on these jobs, but I decided I wanted to travel. And through the travelers, I recognized that that I, I was searching for the meaning of life. What? Why do we work? What really motivates us? And what I realized is we don't work for a paycheck or, or people that do. It's, it's really sad. But when you have a purpose, when you have something that is much more meaning in your life, it makes a huge, huge difference. And I wanted to create... A work environment where where there was just that, where we could um, where, where people had a purpose. And I wanted to find for each person that worked for me what that unique skill, what that unique purpose was. And once I did, people were fired up. They wanted to work, and they were really, really excited. Um, and so that um, th- that's kind of how I came to that.
0: So how do you find within each person what their purpose is? I mean, I think there's so many employers out there that they say, okay, we want to um, know this person's unique purpose, but we would have no idea even how to go about finding it for them if they didn't know. How would you do that?
1: You know, I observed them. I looked at, you know, I I watched the the things that they did, but they did well, and the moment I started complimenting them. As an example, my assistant had um, who, who was really good at writing, but we were looking for an artist and I was kind of drawing happy and she's like, oh my God, you're retarded. Let me draw it for you. And she started drawing it and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And that's kind of how it started. And with each person, I started to find what were their unique skills? What could they do that so much better than everybody else. And it was pretty easy to to find when I was observing them.
0: What did you find really motivates people since you said it wasn't money? So what did you find is the motivator? You know,
1: I I don't believe, you're right, money is not a motivator. There's a lot of science on that. And I, I don't believe that people work for money. They work for a sense of purpose. And when you find what what that purpose is, it's it's so much more powerful. And that's, um, yeah, it, it, it's really, again, going back to, to finding people's purpose in life.
0: Wow, what a gift to even help somebody find their purpose in life. Now, Mark, you know that at the beginning of all my shows, I always like to do everybody's name. Are you ready for yours?
1: I am, yes.
0: Okay, so your name indicates that you have a great imagination. You have fairness issues. You want the world to be fair, that you can stand up for yourself a lot easier than you can stand up for somebody else because it's very important for you to make sure that everybody's being treated fairly and yet you let a lot of stuff go off, you know, slide off your back because you say it's not that important or you can choke when you're going to stand up for your own fairness issues. And It's something that you've had to learn over time. And your name also indicates that you're a great provider so I love this story that you turned $22,000 into $20 million in three years because it so goes along with your name. Um, you know, Your name says, in other words, that you can make money easily. Uh, you're learning how not to let others take advantage of you. And so you're learning how to be a manifester and to manipulate things around to get what you want. And manipulate is not a nasty word in this case. It's literally how do you make or create that which you're looking for and, and it, that you want. Um, Your name also says that you're a natural leader, and when you lead, everybody benefits, and and that you're great at manifesting when you set your goals. And your name also indicates that you're a bit of a workaholic, and that you just want to keep working once you get an idea, and that you're driven until it's finished, and then you want to just really rest for a while before you get all fired up on the next idea. So how do you think that fits you?
1: You know, that fits really well, actually. Very well. I'm quite surprised. And it's interesting. One of the things when I started the company, I I recognized what's worse than having bad credit is having no credit. And when I went to the banks, nobody would consider lending me money. I, I had no, no history. I'd been traveling for 10 years. Um, so so it really kind of goes with what you're saying. And I had to be very creative and very sort of, um Yeah. So, so, yes, everything you said, actually. I, I didn't mean to just focus on one of those. But, um, but yes, you're, you're absolutely right.
0: Well, when did you know, like at the very beginning, you started so early, you know, with a house and stuff. But when did you know that you want to create a company and keep it going and provide jobs for others, which I happen to think is one of the greatest gifts we can give somebody, is to provide the opportunity of employment so that they can fill their own self-worth as they're earning their own income and i just think that's the greatest gift we can give and so when did you You know, know that you wanted to build a kind of company like this
1: when i first started working which was when i kind of kind of going back to when i was 11 years old 12 years old by the age of 12 when we were fixing my friend's grandmother's house and we were we were painting and painting the house we we had music we had um um We we had so much fun doing it, and I realized at that point you've got to make work fun. And 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 there were so many people benefiting from it. Originally, everyone thought my friend's grandmother was crazy. What was she doing having a lot of young? You know, I was twelve years old. What was she doing having a twelve-year-old work on her house? They they thought we were so incapable. However, by the time we finished her house, we put a new roof on. I. Painted the house, um, we painted. The, I put the roof on by myself. By that point, all the, all my friends in the neighborhood, wanted to join. And so we painted the house. We put new windows in. We redid the garden, and we had so much fun doing it. It didn't feel like work. And she was just so ecstatic. It completely changed her life. And all the naysayers who were coming and saying, "Are you crazy? Having this young boy, um, work in your house?" We're, we're lining up, coming and saying, well, "You do our house next." And my approach was that I did the work and I, I was like, I, I didn't want to be paid until they were completely satisfied. Um, and I, I realized that was a great approach and everybody was so um, so excited, but but it started with that. And, I, and then my father thought it, it wasn't a great idea that I run my own business, that, that I should work for some other people and get a better sense of what it was like to, to work for others I would learn much more about business this way and he was right he was very wise but but it was through those jobs, through observing people and then through traveling even more so I, I met all these other travelers who were, just seemed a little more enlightened and asked why do we work, what do we live for what is, you know a, a lot of people do, don't like their jobs and I thought that was so sad and 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 that's when i started to really observe the differences between people that, that love their work and people that don't like their work and the people that That's love their a work.
0: great that's a great idea we're going to continue that after the break cuz we need to take a break stay tuned to know the name know the genius in you which can also be heard on knowthename.com after the break we'll find out how mark keeps his happy company happy
3: net.
0: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on XZBN.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Mark Juarez and whose website is thehappycompany.com. Okay, we were talking about when you were 12 and you were noticing how happy everybody was working on your grandma's house. You know, when you were 12, were you in sixth grade or seventh grade? Because that's about that age when people are 12.
1: I was in the seventh grade or going from the sixth to the seventh. It was in the summer of, of yeah. Uh, sixth and seventh? Just graduated from sixth yeah, I just graduated from sixth grade, and I was about to start the seventh grade.
0: And, and you know, older uh, cultures used to say that by 13, you're an adult. So you were just kind of going in along that line, and by 13, you really were acting like an adult. Okay, so you started, you got your friends involved. There's always stumbling blocks. Along the way, what were your stumbling blocks, and how did you overcome them?
1: Well, you know, maybe to add a little bit more to this, I when I was in school, I was dyslexic. I had ADHD. I couldn't read very well. And, you know, I found work. I, I found satisfaction in work. And when I was in school, they actually wanted to put me in a class for retarded children. And I began to really question, like, wait a moment. I, am I retarded? Do, do, you know, and I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and looking and observing myself and thought, okay, I can't read and I can't write very well, but, but, but was I really retarded? And it was through work that I got a sense of it, it, uh, th- that I felt good. And it gave me a sense of purpose and it gave me a sense that, that I was worth something. And when I worked with others and I complimented them, like, oh my God, you know, this, this looks great what you did and started doing this. I realized how different that was from the going to school, and I knew no interest in going to school. My my father, who was a huge advocate of education, he worked for UC Berkeley and he he um, the University of Berkeley, and he he was just um, it, it was disappointing to him that I that I wasn't going to school. But but that's that was one of my stumbling blocks in the beginning. Um, and I, you know, it's it's funny. There's always challenges in work. When I had the Happy Company, one of the things we learned fairly young, fairly early on, was that when, when things would go wrong, we could either get frustrated and, and, and angry. And I realized not realize that we wouldn't, wouldn't accomplish anything with that. Or we could look at everything that went wrong as an opportunity to learn and to make something better from it. And when I started to take that approach, it was completely different. In fact, I remember there was a woman that came to work with us, and she had two PhDs. She, she was a scientist, and we were developing a product um, that would typically take six months, at least two, uh, in, in cosmetic. And we brought her in because she had the science background that we, we were seeking. And I remember I told her what I wanted to do, and she looked at us like, you're crazy. That's impossible. There's no way you could do this. And I'm like, I know, but we're going to do it anyway. Are you on board? Or are you going to pass? And she said, you're crazy. And kept insisting this. And, and I kept on saying, I know. But I know we can do it. And if you would help, I would love it. I, I want you to work for us. And she said, no, you're crazy. She got out. She walked out of our building. She got into a car, which I could clearly see right outside my, my my office window. Put her key in. Got in the car. And then she turned off the car, got out of the car, walked back in and again said, you know, you're really crazy. And I'm like, I know. So are you on? And she said, I'm on. And and I said, great, we, we're going to do it. And she said it was the craziest six weeks she'd ever experienced in her entire life. But we pulled it off. We worked 24 seven. We worked, you know, just I, I mean, insanely long hours and we pulled off the impossible. And it was fun and by the end she said it, again it was the most exciting six weeks she had ever experienced you know later i i went to the doctors and they thought i had cancer and i was i was like oh my god and but they weren't certain they said you know come back in three weeks for testing and i'm like oh my gosh i i want it right away i i'm I, I what do you mean wait three weeks? I want to know right now, and I want to come up with a plan for that. And and they said no. And then I walked to the doctor's office, and I got this idea. I knew an institute that really had a lot of success with cancer, and I thought I'm going to go there. I'm going to do everything they said. And one of the things they they said was that. They, so I did. I signed up, and they they said that it, it was impossible. You 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 know, there's, there's no openings. And he said, Look at I, I don't care if I have to sleep in my car. I'm coming. And they said, no, no, there's a, there's a long waiting list, but, but, I was really insistent and, and I got in. I literally, they had, um, called me on Saturday or I called them on Saturday, um, right, right, right before the, the, the opening was. And they said, oh my gosh, there was just a cancellation and we closed in 10 minutes. If you can come here tomorrow morning, You're in, and I'm like, I'll do it. I drove all night. I was there, and anyway, the first thing they said was that if you have an illness like cancer, not to think of it as a challenge, but think of it as an opportunity. And I thought that's crazy. Cancer is not an opportunity, but I made an agreement to myself that I would do everything they said they would do. So I made it an opportunity, and I. Anyway, they went through that week, went back to the doctor's two weeks later, and I envisioned that the doctor was gonna say, Oh God, we have no idea why we thought you had cancer, but you're okay. And and that's exactly what happened. And now I'm just like so fired up. And I'm driving home and people cut me off and I'm like, Hey, that's okay and I'm usually a pretty aggressive driver. <laughs> we usually wouldn't just say, Oh, that's okay But um but I was ecstatic, and when I got back to the office, my operations director was going crazy, and she said, "Mark, the the you know our biggest customer is is um it, it, it's a disaster. We, we, you know you said we should let them ship it the way they wanted, and, and and we did, and and everything arrived to them broken because they didn't follow our protocol. And I'm like, Cindy, everything's an opportunity, and she's like, boss." Are you crazy? You're drinking too much green stuff. There's nothing here that's an opportunity. This is like horrible news. And I'm like, but we could fix this. And I called everybody in the company. And I'm like, you guys, what do you think? C- can we pull this off? We've got a week to get them product, which normally takes six or eight weeks. And they said we could do it. And she's like, No, you guys, it's impossible. But we pulled it off. And. I called our factory because we always order 10% over in materials. And I'm like, how much material do we have? And they're like, we've got a lot. And I'm like, is there any way we, we we can get this made in three or four days and ship it to them in, you know, we're air freighted to them. And they said, you know, we'll do this. And um and we pulled it off. And she couldn't believe it. They literally got it the day that they were launching this new product. And everything was so close, but we, we pulled it off. We went to visit this company to – two months later and they we apologized for you know things that had gone wrong and they looked just really funny and they said what are you doing and i'm like what do you mean and they said we went through all of our emails we went through everything and we realized it was totally our mistake and you never once came to us and and you know explain that to us you always worked with us i said well we're partners. We, of course we'd work with you. We wouldn't do it any other way. Well, the crazy thing was that they were so excited that they gave us an order that was, they wanted us to become their, to do all their OEM business. That was a huge, huge order. It was worth over $400,000. Now, the, the cost to get them this order to us was $33,000, which we completely absorbed. That $33,000 um, was... I, now we were getting an order that was worth over 400000 And my operations director was just, we just looked at each other in, in complete awe. We had lunch with the president of this company. This is a massive company. We were just tiny compared to them. And they wanted us, it, anyway, it, it turned out to be one of the most amazing opportunities. And so we, we have something in our company, which we called our map. It was our mission. It was what we aspired to as a company it was an acronym, and it was our guiding principles. And at that point, we—before that, we had seven guiding principles. We just added an eighth guiding principle that everything in life was an opportunity. And our other guiding principles were things like we put we, we, integrity before profit. We believed that work was love made visible. That we were unstoppable. So when when they came to us and said, when she said, you know, we only have a week to make this product and get it to them. Everybody in our company was like, of course, we're unstoppable. We'll find a way to do this. And, um, and that we were completely, everything we did was environmentally friendly. And, and, um, and those are some of our guiding principles. And, and that's how we lived. And when you have guiding principles like that, and you live them completely, again, it just gave everybody in our company a sense of purpose, a sense of it's fun to come to work. We believed in something well, much higher. And-
0: so what I'm hearing your company did was you were given a great challenge, which pulled everybody together, so everybody put forth their best effort and made the impossible yes. possible. So you yes. had a common that, goal.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. And when you do that, it's, it just fired everybody up. And, and that's just one example of so many. I, we We loved it, and everybody in the company customer service to us was everything. And when we could find outrageous ways to provide the most extraordinary customer service, um, we got really excited and And so that's those are just a few of so many examples we have of of how um, you absolutely identified it perfectly. Yes.
0: Okay, so what I want to know next, and we don't have a lot of time, so we've got about a minute and a half to answer this, and that is, weren't you a bit scared again working for yourself because there's no safety cushion, especially if you're investing your entire savings into a project? Working for yourself, did that create new challenges that was harder than working for somebody else?
1: You know, it's funny. I never thought of that. All I thought about was the end result. And when I started the Happy Company, you know, I discovered the massager because my knees went out. And then I wanted to, um, well, I, I wanted to share with the, the world the importance of this massager, the importance of caring touch. That's all I thought about. And how could I change people's lives with our product? It's funny, the Happy Massager, a lot of people mistaked the name for the Happy Messenger. And we felt that with every massager that we made, we were putting a message in, a message for what we stood for. We wanted to change people's lives. And, you know, people copied us, but nobody could make the massager like we did because nobody would put this, the care and the pride that, 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 we, that, we
0: did, that we put into it. You know, I love, I love hearing that, and I'll tell you why. And it's because my mother's food is marvelous. Oh my gosh, she's such a wonderful cook. And we asked her, why is her food so good when it's the same recipe as somebody else? And she said, because I add the ingredient of love while I'm making it. Okay, we need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. This show is dedicated to taking significant risks and the keys to do so safely. After the break, we'll find out some of the different ways that Mark forrest has assisted his people.
4: This
3: is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network,
0: I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Mark Warris, who can be reached via his website, www.thehappycompany.com. Okay, Mark, once you started making real money, did people expect more of you than they did before when you were small?
1: Well, I started making real money, I guess, right away, which is kind of interesting. When we when I first started the company I had no idea what I was doing I went to 30 small boutiques close to where I was living I, I was living in San Francisco and so there's a lot of shops I went to the ones that I really small shops that I really loved and said I have this massager I have no idea how to sell it to a shop like yours I'm not here to sell you but I'm wondering if you would give me some advice on how I might sell this to to to, to a store like yours because I always loved your store what I found is that every company that um, that I went to, as they sort of described it to me, they ended up selling themselves. They ended up, you know, they, they got so excited about it that they were like, oh my gosh, I wanna buy this. I'm like, really? And what was amazing was I went to 30 shops in all 30 bought and my friends who understood sales a little bit better said, you know, don't get discouraged. You might sell one out of three if you're lucky, but most likely you're going to sell maybe one out of 10. And I thought, okay, if I go to 30 shops, that means I would sell three. And and if it was only one out of 10, but I got, I sold all 30 and I was amazed. But the more interesting thing was that they bought what they thought was a six week supply of massagers. And, and I didn't realize this, but in the kind of shop products we're doing, it's called open to buy and or in larger companies, it's called open to buy. So, so typically they would buy a six week supply because they would order you know, um, eight times through the year. And every shop that bought it sold out in a day or a day and a half because they would massage people, they would show it off and I'm like, oh my gosh And and they explained to me how good that was. So then I my mother suggested, Why don't you take it to a big shop like Nordstrom's? And I thought that's a great idea. So I took it to Nordstrom's and I had no idea again where to do it in Nordstroms and I was just walking around Nordstrom's and this guy stopped me and he he, or the cosmetic counter. He said, you look completely lost. I said, I am. I'm trying to figure out where I might sell a massager like this in your, your, your store. And he thought about it for a moment. And he said in cosmetics and I'm like, of course, that makes the most sense. And, and as I was observing the cosmetics, they were, um, they're always trying to upsell. They're always trying to say, you know, when you are buying something, they're like, Hey, would you like to try a new lipstick or lip balm or, 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 eyeshadow or something? And I said, you know, if you massaged people, they would feel much more comfortable. And as they feel more comfortable, they actually might buy more. And they said, really? Well, let's try it. So we did. And sure enough, people did. And suddenly Everybody in the cosmetic community was like, "Oh my gosh, we got to have this!" So they marched me to the buying office and explained what had happened. And the buyer was like, "Well, you know, it's a it's a long, lengthy process to buy products that usually take six months." And all of the salespeople said, "No, no, no, we want this like today." Well, before I knew it, um, they she actually made an exception and they bought it. And it was right before Christmas, or right before right after Thanksgiving, rather, Black Friday. And she said, if you could get me $600, we will give it a test in our San Francisco store. And I'm like, okay. And this was like on a Monday afternoon. I called up to my mother, who was helping me with this, and said, what are you doing tonight? And she's like, I'm not doing anything. And I said, well, you know, I just got an order from Nordstrom's. So it was a great idea. Do you think you could help me? And she said, okay. And she said, how many do you have to make? And I said, 600. And she's like, are you crazy? That would take a long time. And I'm like, but mom, we could figure this out. You mentioned that you have a friend that just lost his job. And that he was part of a group of people over 40 looking for work. Maybe you can call him and maybe he can ask people in his group. And maybe we could figure out how to put together a work party. And she's like, okay, I'll try that. And she did. And suddenly before we knew it, he brought a bunch of people. And I brought pizza and beer and I made it fun to work there and I soon turned her living room and dining room and back spare bedroom into a production and we got it done that night and we had so much fun doing it we played music and we were and my mother was like you know this is fun and it's, it's so we got it all done I got it to north and everybody
0: and was, got paid
1: it and everybody got and he, paid. Okay. and and before we knew it the um we got it in Nordstrom's and she bought 600 thinking that was going to last through Christmas. We sold out in a day and a half and she couldn't believe it. The the buyer at Nordstrom's. And before we knew it, we got an order. She wanted to put it in four stores and she ordered 1200 for the next weekend. And we sold out of that in a day and a half. And before we knew it, we were, we had so many orders and I never stopped making at that point. Um, All the people that came to help, I said, you guys, do do you want to like, keep working in this- and they're like yes and before we knew it we we were in full production my mother said, finally said look at, you've got to find a new place because you've taken over my entire house my living room my dining room my spare bedroom my garage this is like I, like you're not coming into my kitchen in my bedroom or bathroom and i'm like okay okay we'll, we'll figure out something and so i rented a small warehouse and we we were going like crazy and so we now I'm, I've got a pretty big staff and we're hiring people as fast as we can. And all the people that I, that were like over forty that I've hired, they, they were great because they all had great business experience. And soon they were helping me build the company up pretty quickly. And now we're doing pr- pretty well. And I thought, okay, Christmas is over, maybe things are going to slow down in January. But it turns out that this was the best-selling item that merchants had ever seen in, in January. And because everybody who got it for Christmas were coming back to Nordstroms and saying, "Where do you, we want to buy more of these?" and 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 their friends and and so it, it it was doing very very well. And um the they, they so, so we were like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And, and we were voted the best selling item at Nordstroms. You had seen. So then we got into the body shop and the same success. Um, body shop was doing so well with it and. The the founder of Body Shop, Anita Roddick, had had said, you know, allowed us to sell it in franchise stores, but she wouldn't allow it in the corporate store. Well, we got into all the franchises almost immediately because our success, we were doing so well with it at Nordstrom's. And before we knew it, um, this was now right before um, Valentine's Day, and there was a television show. And in the television show, they were interviewing this woman who had just written this book on how to bring love back into your, 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 um, um, into your marriage. And in the book, she had mentioned the benefits of massage. And John said, you know, and, and she was, you know, showing how to do massage and was massaging John. And he sort of said, you know, my wife, she massages me. And after two minutes, she said her hands are tired and she said, Oh, I just found the perfect product. This little wooden happy massager. I think I bought it at, body shop and she started massaging him well before she knew it he's like oh my gosh that's amazing where where did you get that and she wanted she put it back in her purse because she wanted to talk about her book but as she's talking to Lisa John is just sitting there kind of dumbfounded and he's like pointing to his back and he's saying oh my gosh that that was like the most amazing massage ever and I kept on asking her where, where, where did you get this and it was maybe only 45 seconds of of actual, you know, airtime and being shown, but those 45 seconds, and, and he, just his expression was so priceless that, that it, it soon got really popular, and we didn't know what to expect. Somebody had called us and told us about it, and we were in this tiny, tiny office, eight of us working, and, and we were like, oh my gosh, somebody had phoned us and told us about this, and we were like, what, what's going to happen next? And suddenly our fax machine went crazy and we're like oh my god what's wrong with the fax machine it kept spitting out this order from the body shop like like just constantly and we're like what's going on and then my assistant looked at it just wait mark every order is different it's not all from one body shop they're all from different body shops and they're not small orders because body shop was ordering originally 24, 48, maybe 60 if it was a good order, but these orders were like 600, 800, and we're like, oh my gosh, and soon we realized this is huge, like we were not going to be able to, I mean, how could we make so many orders, and we all had to pull together and come up with a plan, and we realized our, our warehouse wasn't big enough, and we got this idea, what if everybody went home and made it, like they can make it in their living room, and we, we could buy a van, and we could deliver all the pieces. And at first, everyone was like, well, no, we like coming to work. But I'm like, you know, it's cold in the warehouse. And we don't have enough room. And one girl said, well, could I come to work in my pajamas? And I'm like, yeah. another woman said, well, can my grandmother help? And we're like, of course. And, and soon, everybody got really excited about working at home. And, and, and before we knew it, we had to come up with a plan how to increase our production by 10, 10 times and in three days and we worked like crazy and I called the the wood manufacturer who was manufacturing all the wood for us and at first he didn't even want to work with me he was like like we, we only work with large large companies or we work through trading companies and I'm like I don't want to go to a trading company I want to work, work with you directly and he said no no, I won't do it but I was so persistent he finally agreed well when I called him and told him that we wanted to increase our order by 10 times and we wanted to get it right away. He was so surprised. He was like, really? And, and I explained to him everything that had happened. And he was, he agreed. Well, and, and shortly after that, we became his largest customer.
0: And, and so he was working with a large company. He just didn't realize it at the time.
1: You know? He just didn't realize it at the time. Yeah.
0: I want to break in for just a minute because you were honored by Inc. Magazine as Interpreter of the Year for Social Responsibility and Business of the Year in California. Did that award make a difference in what you did or how you did it? And again, we only have about two minutes or less than that to tell me.
1: Um, You know, it didn't. It it, it kind of identified to us. You know, I had nothing to measure it against. This is the largest company I worked at it and I'm running it. And so we, we really didn't No, we those awards didn't didn't really do anything for us. What what did happen and maybe a kind of interesting story was that we began to question, are we doing everything right? And so I thought I, I should bring people that were more experienced than I was. So we brought the CFO from Levi Strauss. We hired the um um HR director from IBM and they walked around our company for two days trying to figure out how we accomplished what we did. And they came to us and they said, You know, you did everything he he compared us to being in the Indianapolis five hundred race and that we were winning the race, but we were driving a sixty seven Nova. And I love the movie The Love Bug. And I was trying to but I'm like I'm guessing what you mean by this is we're doing everything wrong. And he said, You're doing everything wrong. Okay. Hold that
0: thought Hold that thought. I want to know about that when we come back because we need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, okay. Know the Genius in You. This show is dedicated to taking significant risks and keys to do it safely. After the break, we'll find out more about Mark Wars and that happy company. is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations, yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself, finding safe passage through challenging times? I'm Gwelda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family.
2: Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
0: Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Mark, Mark Juarez, whose website, thehappycompany.com, and he's taken his skills to a level where he's able to create large, highly profitable companies with happy employees that serve others gleefully and purposelessly. Marcus, assists others who succeed with their ideas. Now, right before the break, we were talking about how you brought in all these experts, and they said, you're doing everything wrong, but you're winning the race. Now, how is that even possible? Did those experts really know what they were doing? Tell us that about this.
1: So this goes back to people having purpose. This goes back to people having passion about what they do. And uh, what they were saying was, we didn't hire the right people they didn't have the skills that were required to do their job that they um, didn't have the education that they should have had to do their job and that that they should not have been able to do the work that that they were given assigned to do but i have this belief because that's where i came from i i never did well in school but when you have a passion to do something it's unbelievable what you can accomplish. And when you have, and you work with a group of people where everybody, it, we're, we weren't just a company. We were a community. We were, we, we we were so fired up and to us, nothing was going to stop us. And so the people, you know, I couldn't afford to hire really high caliber people. Um, but instead I hired people that had passion and that, believe they could do anything and what I found was sometimes when you don't know what you can't do you could be convinced to do anything you could do anything and that's what we did and
0: you know that's really inspiring that's very inspiring I mean I'm looking at I'm thinking about kids in the classroom and how many teachers listen to this program and and how many kids are distraught because they're not successful in math or science or passing their civics test? Or, I mean, I'm thinking about the 12-year-olds as you started and, and how discouraging it is for them. And I'm thinking, how do we bring passion back to doing it so they can figure it out even if they don't know the proper steps? You know, like can they figure out the math problem even if they don't know all the formulas? Can they reason it? You know, how would we bring that back? I mean, and I'm thinking about that and thinking how you've helped create so many companies or helped other companies to do what you're doing. Um, It amazes me that in 2012, you put your highly successful company on hiatus so that you could regroup and plan your next wave of inventions. And you're now in the process of relaunching the happy company. So what are you going to do this time that's different than you did the last time? Do you have a new purpose, a new mission? I mean, what's different?
1: What's interesting was, you know, I only knew the happy company because that's what I did. And, and companies I've worked for, I mean, companies that I've I've created, I didn't know what it was like in other companies. And when we started to do research, I was surprised to find that 70% of companies, the employees are not happy. And I thought that was really sad. I couldn't imagine we spend fifty two percent of our our time working. To be someplace where you're spending more than half of your time and to be unhappy is really sad. And and I realized that it's not hard to create to create a happy company. And that we started then looking at and what there are companies out there that help companies become happy, but when we looked at their methodology, it seemed kind of contrived. it didn't seem real and there's there's a spirit, and they seem to have well maybe some people are doing it right, but the, the ones I saw they, they seem to have missed it, and it's and so we as we, we were starting this new company, we thought, oh, I want to go out there and share our secrets, our our methodology, our our techniques with with other companies. And when you have engaged employees, when you have companies that are that are excited, the statistics are suggesting that they're way more productive, they make more sales, they the products are so much better as it was in our product our company that everybody benefits. The employer, the employees and the customers it's it's a win-win for everybody and most things that you do in companies
4: either
1: it's either the it, what benefits one is usually at the cost of the other it's either the employer that benefits or the employee or or, or the customer but but it's rare that you could do something they all three benefit and, and this is and everything that we have come up with is um it, it is a win for everybody
0: Okay so what compels you to teach and share with other companies since you've got such a good thing going and you can keep it all to yourself so why are you out there trying to share it everywhere
1: Because you know I guess I look back I I feel like I'm on a mission I feel driven that there's something so exciting to share this with everybody because it's I would love to change the idea that instead of 70 percent of the people being unhappy at work if we could change it they were at least 70 percent of the people were happy at work or ideally everyone could be happy at work we could change the world and it's when you have something good you want to share it i i mean that's it just seems the right way of doing it and
0: okay so you want to change the world so my question for you is your techniques and philosophy definitely work in the united states Have you tried and tested the same things overseas? Do your strategies work worldwide?
1: They do, it's a great question. Yes, but we modify them. As an example, when we had overtime in the Happy Company, one of the things I never wanted to do was to have forced overtime. When we got a big order, I went out to the floor and I said guys, we got this amazing order, and it's huge, but they want it right away. What do you think? Can we pull this off? everybody in the company volunteered to to work overtime. And I'm like, seriously? Oh, my gosh. So I was so moved by this. We went out and we bought pizza, we got beer, we turned on the music, and we turned it into a party. And everybody said, oh, my gosh, if this is what overtime is about, count me in. This is really great. And a side note on that, you know, we also had a thing on Monday mornings where everybody in our company met and every department was set up as if it was its own department, as if it was its own um, kind of business. By this, we could kind of measure the um, the success of each company. And on Mondays was an opportunity to brag about how well each department was doing. Well, it was also a time if you had a challenge, you could bring it up. And so our C- our CFO Bill, he had said, who joined us in our, our um, you know in the party as well. And he had so much fun. But he said, gosh, you know, when I went home that night, my wife was a little upset with me. And we're like, Really? No, why? And she said, Well, she thinks I'm having an affair. And we're like,
0: oh, she was <laughs> so and I,
1: said, I, I I came home and I was I had beer in my breath and pizza all over my shirt and and I was so happy. And she she thought, You're not working. You must be out. You must be seeing another woman. And he said, No, no, seriously, I, I was at work. And um and so we thought what if we could could have we can invite our family and friends and and you know to, to these parties and everyone said oh my god that'd be great and it so it also became an opportunity to find the best workers because when people invited their friends they're like dude this is where you work like this is fun and and so it became this amazing way to to, to find the best workers well we were, when we set up also, companies in China, because we we, we wanted to, to manufacture some of our products in China, it just didn't, we, we didn't have the, we, it was too difficult to, to manufacture it here in the U.S. The, um, um, we thought, how do we do overtime in China? And when I was in China, I, I realized it's, our, our, the companies that we created in China, that we, our workforce, was um, and we didn't have our own companies in China. We we partnered in, in, it's called a joint venture with with Chinese companies. And we wanted, I still wanted the the owner of the company to run it because he had the experience of running a company in China. And um, and but we said we wanted autonomy. We wanted to be able to go in and um, and and teach um, and, 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 and kind of to have that complete autonomy and he agreed um so we were in a situation where we we, we got a big order as, as well and i didn't want to um have forced overtime and the factory owner said that's impossible there's no way that you could get this order out without without having you know without overtime
0: so what was a like, party that looked like there we've only got like 15 seconds
1: so, so instead find? of doing a instead of doing a party, what we realized is most of the people that worked for us were were twenty or or, or, or in the late twenties or thirties. They had children but and they came from small villages to Shanghai where, where our factories were. But they were um but but they didn't they never got to go home and see their children except twice a year because they worked five and a half days a week. And it was too far for, for them. And I thought, what if we could bank your hours? And then we could, could, um, um, you could get several days off and you could go home and see your children. Tears came to their eyes. They were so excited. They're like, seriously. That's such a cool idea.
0: And I know that because I lived in Shanghai for a year. And you're right. They don't get enough family time. Mark, I so want to thank you for being on our show with us. This time has gone by way too quickly. Mark excels at combining his imagination and his sense of fairness in his name to grow his business. Imagination is found in the letter U, and fairness is represented in the combination AR. If you have either of those in your name, you have that too. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, host of the radio show, and I'm signing off.